Good evening to all the undead ghouls and monsters. We are your horror hosts for tonight's Last Rites. I am your horror host, Brandon Brown, and always with me is my co-host, Owen Hernandez. And today is actually the weekend of Creepy Aftermath. So if you guys are at the convention this weekend, drop us a line. Let us know how the aftermath was compared to the original CreepyCon, uh, which is this weekend, September 23rd through 24th. Uh, for our show, we are going to have uh, some news and some reviews. Uh, we've got four movies to review, and we've got several news posts that we would like to talk about. So we're going to start off with the news, and uh, Olin's going to start. Yeah, we have uh, uh, some news out of um, the uh, <coughs> Conjuring universe. Um, the actress uh, who plays the nun, um, her name is Bonnie Ahrens. Uh, she's suing Warner Bros. and uh, New Line Cinema. Um, basically, uh, she claims that uh, they've been hiding... Um, or they weren't completely transparent about um, all of the earnings of uh, the nun movies, and uh, she claims um, that uh, uh, she requires a share of merchandising revenues that she was not given. Um, her lawyers uh, released a statement saying um, Warner Bros. has exploited the talent, the creativity, and likeness of Bonnie Aarons to enormous financial success. Um, the numbers that they're giving is uh, the nun was uh, made with 22 million, and it made back 365 million. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, that's pretty good, right? Out of which she was only paid 356. Um, uh, no, I'm sorry, 246 thousand dollars, um, being that they made. Still sounds like a lot. I mean, but I can understand her uh, her plight. Uh, to that they're exploiting her, you know, that they want uh, they're collecting all the funds and, and revenue for her likeness and, and, and whatnot. So, yeah, shame on Warner Brothers. They should be uh, giving her a, a bigger piece of that pie, it seems like. Yeah, there's a great disparity there uh, between those numbers. So I, I could see how she's uh, <coughs> upset and uh, definitely um, uh, asking for what is essentially her uh, fair share. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and she has uh, the, you know, the likeness, obviously, uh, just her and the makeup. Uh, if you were to use a, an actor with a mask or different makeup, it obviously wouldn't be the same, you know, but Hollywood's been known to do that, pass it off. It was like, oh, no, this is the same person. It's the same scary monster. Um, but she has, like, this distinct look about her and then with that that makeup that they put on her you know really she embodies that character so yeah. it's it's you know i can understand her wanting a, a bigger piece of the pie which you know and all rights she's doing a, a great job in the movie um and as that character and she should be getting it yeah especially because uh a lot of uh like, like she says the merchandising is, it's become such an iconic um sort of character that there's halloween costumes and all sorts of uh uh, other things uh, with her likeness on it that she yeah. should probably uh, back Tra on a little bit. 
Yeah, trend has become a, a huge thing as of late, uh, within like the last like ten years. Uh, if if you're in some type of uh, uh, anything of media that can generate uh, trend uh, and keep you know generating it, then obviously you're going to be making hands over fist dollars um, with this with this merchandise. So it's you know they should be cutting in everybody who's you know got their hand in that cookie jar, giving exactly. them that extra cookie. Yeah, yeah. It comes to prove uh, nobody knows who they're working for. <laughs> exactly. Shame on you, WB. All right, so um, my news uh, is coming from you from the Saw world. Jigsaw is back. We talked about that on the last podcast. They're making Saw X, which takes place between Saw 1 and Saw 2. So um, Jigsaw is back, obviously. Um, It's also announced that uh, Shawnee Smith is back as well. And she's also donning the iconic pig mask. So that is her in the pig mask uh, that you see if you if you scroll through and seen stills with uh, a character who's getting the pig mask. So it's uh, it's been noted that she's returned, and they have pictures of her now with it uh, donned upon her head, like she's pulling it off. And uh, like I said, this takes place between Saw One and Saw Two. Uh, Jigsaw is looking for a. Uh, like a quick fix uh, cure that he hears that he can get down in, uh, um, I believe it was Mexico. Yeah, uh, somewhere, somewhere south of the border. Yeah, somewhere south of the border. So, and uh, you know, it turned out to be uh, snake oil. So he gets down there, and uh, the wool's pulled over his eyes, and uh, things kind of go awry from there. And then Jigsaw's back to his old tricks. So now he's uh, taking revenge. Um, this uh, this one's also going to be released at the end of this month in September. It has a September 29th release, so this one's coming up real close. They also have um, the saw uh, the saw blood drive returns for the hollow for Halloween. I guess they used to do a blood drive back in the day. Um, looks like it was all the way back in 2004 when it launched. So and it was pretty uh, it was a pretty huge promotion. So they're bringing that back, and uh, yeah. Can't wait to check out this installment. Uh, people are already talking about that this is technically now considered Saw 2 because it's <laughs> the the in-between movie. I guess yeah. the people who uh, got an early preview have already liked it so far and uh, have deemed it as so. So yeah, I guess uh, there's enough Saw movies that you can <coughs> do that thing where like uh, you can watch them in chronological order. Um, I guess this would be the second one. Yeah. So, but yeah, I can't wait to check it out. Um, if I can't get to the theater, then obviously the pirate uh, will get it for us, and then uh, we'll watch it and give it a review. Yeah, the posters look look really cool. Yeah, yeah, they've got a new. Uh, that was the, the last thing I was gonna say. the The first poster was a picture of this guy with uh, some kind of tubes coming out of his eyes, like some kind of metal mask that they had, and it was uh, they were crossing to form an X for uh, for Saw X. But the newest poster uh, is a 40X poster, and it's a bunch of human bodies that are creating Billy's face. So Billy, the little puppet yeah. that rides around on the tricycle, uh, the human bodies are forming his face, which is super cool. Yeah, that was cool. I like the one with the uh, the Aztec uh, calendar with uh, Billy's face in the middle, in the oh. center, at the center of the Aztec calendar. That one's kind of cool. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, passed right by that. I didn't even see that one. That one's super cool. Yeah, so a couple different, a uh, couple different posters. Uh, you guys could put on your wallpaper. 
save, you know, put on your phones. So yeah, check it out. Saw X, uh, end of September. Um, so that's the that's the news for Saw. Yeah, and uh, moving on with the news. Um, another bad news. Uh, the actor Percy Hines White has been written out of the second season of Netflix Wednesday. Um, he was the one that played Xavier Thorpe, <coughs> who was the guy who had the ability to bring his drawings to life. Basically, they, he would draw something like a monster or something, and it would come to life. Mm. Um, apparently, uh, he's been accused of uh, sexual assault allegations, um, holding parties at which um, maybe some... Uh, Things were not as cordial as they should have been uh, regarding some of uh, the girls. They might have been underage. Uh, a lot of allegations like this. Um, the actor has strongly denied the allegations. But in the meantime, he's out of the show. Man, that really sucks. Um, yeah, especially with the uh, that riding on the coattails of um, Danny Matherson's um, uh, conviction. Uh, for his uh, rape case. Um, yeah. <clears throat> he was basically uh, accused of rape and uh, was tried and uh, just as of uh, within like the week or two ago uh, was convicted. So it looks like he's serving uh, 30, 30 years to life in prison because of it. Man. Yeah. So this kid uh, could be facing similar uh, a similar uh, future. If uh, allegations, you know, become more of a reality and, and then they go any further with it by taking it to court. So um, and a lot of these Hollywood actors, you know, it's it's kind of uh, taking it with a grain of salt. It's it, you don't know if it's happened or it or it did happen, you know, because you got to listen to both sides of the story. Yeah. And you don't know because you weren't there. So it's really all hearsay until the you know evidence points it out, um, especially like. We got like what Kevin Spacey. Uh, I love Kevin Spacey, uh, great actor. Um, you know, most of the when the Me Too thing started, he was like one of the first people that were uh, accused of uh, having um, unbecoming conduct. I don't think that's what it's called, but that's what I'm that's one of the words I'm choosing to use. But with uh, with people who were underage and uh, doing things with them at parties, uh, so he was getting accused of that. Uh, and you would, you know, you, you hear it like once and you kind of are speculating uh, that it's yay or nay. But then you start hearing more people come out of the woodwork saying the same story. You know, it's either these people are on a cash grab, you know, trying to see if he'll you know, settle out of court and uh, just pay them, you know, like the money that they're looking for. Or, uh, yeah, it's true. You know, then all these people decided that. You know, now's the time for them to speak up for, you know, the stuff that happened. But a lot of his stuff happened like years and years and years ago. As for this kid, you know, this seems like it's all relevantly new because, you know, he's young. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, <coughs> you know, it's, it's a difficult uh, situation, especially um, when you have somebody who's uh, routinely doing this. And uh, and if more and more. Uh, people come forward, then it's starting to look bad, you know? And it's like you said, if it's just one person just trying to uh, cash in on somebody else's success, then it's uh, it's difficult to tell 
um, which one will be which, but yeah. Well, that's sad. Well, hopefully uh, we can get down to the bottom of it. But I guess, you know, that's the other thing, too, is I don't like when these type of things happen that um, the first knee-jerk reaction is to get rid of somebody. Yeah. Instead of, like, the whole judicial system is innocent until proven guilty. But it seems like Hollywood doesn't give a flying fuck about that. They're right, just no. like, you get an accusation, and it's like, nope, you're out, gone. Yeah, the business will always disassociate itself yeah, from, they, from, yeah. Like, oh, you're going to you're gonna taint us, so we don't want any part of that. Yeah, so peace out of the show. That's bad news. Um, do you have a palate cleanser? <laughs> <laughs> I do. Uh, my story is... Uh, not so much a story it's just uh, an announcement that rob zombie's house of a thousand corpses is returning to the theaters for its 20 year anniversary so uh 20 years 20 ago years. yeah 20 years ago old. he was shopping this movie around because nobody wanted to uh <laughs> to distribute uh, distribute it um to uh to anybody and then um he came across uh who was it that actually uh that produced it was it universal I think it was. Um, which I'm not seeing anywhere. But yeah, I think uh, I think Universal. I could be wrong. If I'm wrong, please let me know. Um, but yeah, they uh, they picked it up and then released it, and then uh, years later, even Rob says that it's not the movie he thought it was going to be. Um, but it turned into a, a cult hit. So yeah, I loved it. I remember watching it way back when and i was like really impressed with it yeah so yeah the looks like uh the beginning of october um it'll have some select screenings if you go to uh fathom events uh you'll be able to purchase your tickets to them and find out which theaters in your local area will be uh reliving house of a thousand corpses so check it out that sounds like fun yeah um i will continue with the uh not so good news. <laughs> um, well, it, this isn't necessarily a bad news. It's just uh, Tim Burton came out and uh, had some less than kind words to say about uh, the movie The Flash and uh, the cameos that they used, uh, being uh, some of them his uh, creations. Uh, yeah, I thought he would be on board, especially like having uh, Keaton come back as, uh, as Batman. I thought it was a really cool uh, tip of the head, but according to him, um, the studios uh, are being <coughs> disrespectful uh, in the usage sometimes of some of these properties that uh, technically the studios own, but they didn't create. So there's a little bit of a disconnect there. Um, so he's, he states that he is in quite revolt against the use of AI by Hollywood studios, which can be unleashed to culturally misappropriate past franchises and icons. Um, in a recent review uh, interview, uh, Burton talked at length about his uh, career, and uh, he suggested that he wasn't uh, too thrilled by his former collaborators, Nicolas Cage and Michael Keaton's cameos as Superman and Batman, respectively. Um, I take it to mean that uh, maybe um, he wasn't consulted, or he wasn't, uh, like they just, the studio just went ahead and used these properties without really giving him proper um, heads up I guess yeah that sounds more like a double-edged sword it's like they own 
Batman and Superman, so they can technically do what they want with them. But his versions of them, you know, were, were his. Um, and they, they obviously could use anybody to be Batman um, or Superman, but they went ahead and used the, the Tim Burton, you know, versions. Yeah. versions. And, yeah, they should have given him some, like, heads up, like, hey, Tim, uh, we're doing this movie, and it's a multi-universe uh, situation, so we want to bring in, you know, this Batman, this Superman, uh, just letting you know, you know. I guess it, they, I, they're not going to say, you know, what do you think about that, because obviously they're going to just do it, but at least they could have consulted him at, at first, you know, kind of given him something or, or even like a, a producer or uh, a, some kind of credit in the movie, you know, because it yeah. was, those were his characters. Yeah. And uh, <coughs> it seems like his uh, main issue uh, or the, the thing that he takes the most umbrage with is the use of AI by Hollywood, which is becoming a more prominent theme now. And uh, people are talking about it a lot. Yeah. It's uh, becoming more like, I think people are looking at it as like something that would be, uh, something that would be used uh, wisely, but it seems to be something more frowned upon now, um, especially with a lot of this, like the situation with that kid from the last story. Um, uh, there's a lot of actors out there talking about, well, you see something come up with me and uh, it doesn't look like I'm on the up and up or I'm, you know, I'm doing something shady. It's probably not me. It's AI. Yeah. We've already had actors. It's a deep fake. Yeah, we've already have actors stepping up saying this kind of shit. So that's where you're also going to be like, oh, wait a minute. Is that actually true? Or are they just trying to cover their ass because AI now has appeared and they can, you know, find it and use it as a scapegoat? Yeah, yeah, the line is blurring. So moving on... Uh that sucks for Tim. Uh, I wish, uh, hopefully for the future, they consult him next time on something like that, or, or maybe they just do a better job that he likes. Maybe he just hated the movie. I know a lot of people did. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so moving on. Um, George, the George A. Romero Foundation um, announces that they have found writers for the, uh, for the Dead podcast. So I guess they're doing a podcast called the dead um which is interesting like we have a podcast here and obviously if you've been paying attention this is our 11th podcast uh we don't really script anything this is kind of all fly by the seat of our pants really and i think that's how a podcast should be it just should be uh you know you come up with some ideas you talk about it you know and you just you just feel it out um to me, like having a scripted uh, podcast just kind of takes away from the, the, the genuineness of, of like the topics that you'll be talking about. Um, especially if you get callers, you know, what happens when you, when you, you if you bring a caller in or you bring a guest, um, how's that script going to go? You know, now you have to go off script. So yeah. that, that I don't understand. Um, but they have script writers um for their show so i'm guessing like i'll obviously tune in to see what kind of uh podcast it is going to be um why does this keep reloading the uh but they have five writers that they found for the for their uh, podcast um hannah schooner uh nick harkins uh jeremy elliott ck anderson and luke condor so these five are uh, set to be the uh, new writers um, 
before the dead and they've got a production team working on the first season right now so there's no other uh, information on it um bloody disgusting is where i got my information from um for this so i guess if you guys are interested in uh the dead or anything uh romero related and you want to hear a podcast uh keep your ears open for this when it drops uh, and if we have any more information uh we'll let you guys know about it so we'll see uh we'll see how this comes out yeah it sounds like it might be like <coughs> stories that they write and uh the podcast is um maybe like a like a radio drama style um i'm not sure that that would be kind of cool yeah yeah that, that would is. be totally cool um that that kind of shit like uh, was really dope back in the day, especially like the um, War of the Worlds. Yeah, like uh, where everybody just really thought that was real. Right, that was, that was super cool. But yeah, like those old time, those old timey uh, radio like shows and things like that, because you just use your imagination, and that's usually the best thing uh, next to like seeing something that's like uh, animated. Um, yeah, and it's like purely voice acting and uh, sound effects and things like that. So. Yeah, yeah, and you, you you get all that emotion coming across, you know, the airwaves, and um, and people do excellent jobs of, of conveying, you know, what they're feeling, like in the way that they're they're speaking or the way the background sounds. Yeah, so that that, that would be cool, but uh, we we've yet to see uh, what happens with this the dead podcast. Yeah, but yeah, check it out. As soon as it drops, uh, we'll give you guys a heads up, letting you know about it, and then uh, we'll uh, we'll also check it out and give it a review, like uh, when it's, when it's finally out. Okay, I have uh, <coughs> a statement uh, by Dan Trachenberg, uh, one of the creators of Stranger Things. Uh, he spoke a little bit about season five and uh, said. I don't think Stranger Things falls into a category of television seasons like Game of Thrones, where the pilot is cool, slowed, slows down, and the last two episodes are the big battle. Um, I think he means to say that it won't be like how it happened with uh, Game of Thrones, where the last season was kind of garbage. Uh, he's saying that, in fact, uh, season five is going to amp it up and uh, pretty much end uh, with a bang, is how I'm taking it. Yeah, as it should. Um, I think uh, Stranger Things has been getting better and better from uh, the initial first season to season four. Uh, it's brought in new and better, better ways of these kids like dealing with their uh, their demons. Um, I'm a huge D and D person, so I really like the um, the adaptation that they use for D&D, how they call the villains uh, after, they name all the villains after D&D villains uh, with Vecna and uh, the Mind Flayer. So all that, all that shit's like really cool to me. Um, I kind of, I have a, a strong affiliation with that. Um, so I, I, I really get where they're, where they're coming from. But yeah, the, the story's been very well written uh, and it just keeps getting better and better. So, you know, I'm, I'm glad that they're actually stating this, letting us know, you know, because that would really suck for some show like this that, you know, is 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 on an incline to just really just drop off at the the last season. You know, kind of, it's uh it's the last season. You know, we don't give a fuck. So yeah, just phone it in at the at the yeah, last gasp. Basically. Yeah. <clears throat> so 
So yeah, I can't wait to check out season five. Um, it, it it should live up to all of its expectations. So. Was that it for uh, Stranger Things? Yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was the one um, statement that he released. Right. Uh, season three of Chucky, we were all speculating of how and if uh, Devin Sawa was coming back, and it's been shown now that uh, Devin Sawa is back. Uh, he's playing an, uh, once again another new character uh, in this season. And uh, you won't believe who he'll be. He's playing the president. That's so. awesome that they're doing this uh, with Devon Sawa. Yeah, I mean, uh, it kind of throws a little bit of shades of uh, of uh, the Omen, um, but obviously the demonic character's Chucky. <laughs> yeah. So uh, if you've been following the storyline, uh, Chucky's you know he s- spread himself through multiple dolls. Uh, and it looks like this one is in the, the care of the president's son. So it's taking the season uh, to that route, it looks like. And, uh, yeah, so Devin's back. Um, and then also season three is going to be broken up into two parts. So we're going to get uh, some episodes in 2023, and then we're going to get the rest of the episodes in 2024. So just like we were talking about, you said that we're going to get a, a, a mid-season cliffhanger, and then obviously at the very end... Um, uh, some kind of cliffhanger, I'm guessing. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing they're going to want the show to keep going on. So yeah. uh, it's going to, it, it probably will end either on a cliffhanger um, where it's one of those where it could be open ended. Uh, you know, it could be uh, moving on to the next season or just be, you know, done, you know, or maybe uh, set for the movie. Maybe they're just done with TV and they'll just go back to the movies again. So. But we won't know until the the season drops. And then uh, season three is supposed to be airing uh, October 4th, uh, the premiere of it. And the first episode is actually titled Murder at 1600, which, if you know, 1600 is the address of the White House. See, that that, that was my question. Is Devon Sawa going to survive the mid-season finale? Or <laughs> yeah, right. Is, does this mean Chucky's gonna kill the president? Uh, so many questions. Yeah, yeah. How how long will he last through the season? Yeah. <clears throat> so that's good news. Uh, I, I like that they're doing this uh, this thing where they keep bringing back Devon Sawa as, as a new character. It's, it's yeah. hilarious. They, they obviously like him a lot, so they're, they're just reinventing him. But at the same token, you know, people are probably thinking like, how many times can this guy show up, you know, and be somebody new? <laughs> I mean that. That's uh, that's the challenge, I guess. Yeah, I mean, if uh, he's obviously not phoning it in, like he's <laughs> he's you know he's up for the challenge to to be all these different people. Yeah, no, totally. That's great. Um, him and Jennifer Tilly will become like the staple um, characters. And the Chucky franchise is such a big franchise uh, that I think it could go on forever. And uh, both uh, Tiffany. Uh, Jennifer Tilly uh, and uh, Devon Sawa could uh, reappraise some sort of role within the franchise, even if they're old and uh, in their 80s, well into their 80s. Yeah, yeah. Same thing to like uh, Brad Dwarf, you know, as being uh, the voice of Chucky. Um, as long as he's 
you know, kept his uh, kept his voice good. He could, you know, voice Chucky up until the day he dies, um, being like a voice act, mainly known for the voice acting, um, which is, I guess, what these guys do. You know, they they uh, they protect their voice to to make sure that it, you know, that it always has that uh, same sound. Um, you know, it would suck that you know if something ever happened, uh, cancer or anything like that, it usually ends up changing the voice. Um, yeah. I don't know about him personally, but it doesn't actually, it doesn't sound like he's a drug user because that also has a big effect. I mean, look at a lot of these rock stars. Like, you could hear the difference between from when they first started to how they talk now. Their voices are just wrecked because of the drugs. Um, so, you know, th- this is his bread and butter. This is how he gets paid. So he's obviously, you know, protecting his, uh, his, his financial uh, uh, cash cow. Yeah, hopefully we have... Uh and know Brad, Brad Dorif to uh, last last us a while. He he could be the David Attenborough of the Chucky franchise. Yeah, totally. Um, moving on with the news, uh, I have one more thing. Um, uh, so apparently, there's a new Crow movie, um, which it, it was already filmed, um, but. They haven't released even like a uh, trailer or anything. I, I just know that it exists. And uh, yeah, I haven't seen any stills or anything from it either. Just uh, like artist renderings and people just imagining what um, what the new crow is going to look like. Uh, so far, we have uh, casting, and uh, Bill Skarsgård is going to play Eric Draven, which I was uh, looking it up. Uh, none of the other. Uh, Crow movies um, have an Eric Draven, uh, except for the uh, TV series, which did have an Eric Draven played by Mark DeCascos. But other than that, no, so the, it's the, been the first one had uh, Brandon Lee's character was Eric Draven. Brandon Lee's, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So the original is Brandon Lee. Yeah, yeah. The original and the TV series all had an Eric Draven, but uh, all the rest of the sequels, which I think there was four movies in total, um, they were all their own original. Yeah, different. Crows, uh, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, not Eric Draven. So, yeah, so I guess uh, this new Crow movie, which is set to be released <coughs> in 2024, uh, starring Bill Skarsgård as Eric Draven, um, it sounds like it's going to be a remake of the original. Or maybe they're going back to the James Obar original um, graphic novel. Yeah, I don't know what they're doing. Um, and I'm kind of uh, on the fence about uh, Bill. Uh, being Eric Draven, you yeah. know, is he growing his hair out? Uh, you know, how's how's the look going to be? Is he going to be a tra- the traditional uh, Eric Draven from the graphic novel, or is he going to be a new uh, version of it? You know, who I'm not sh- who's the studio that's doing the film? Um, yeah, that I don't know either. Um, I I know very little about what's what's going on with this movie. Other than it's it's out there somewhere, yeah. Um, yeah, you would think that there would be some type of like uh, imagery or, or pictures and things like that, but I have yet to come across anything other than just the artist renderings of people, you know, drawing. Well, hopefully it's good because uh, the first um, the first crow movie with Brandon Lee was. Uh, my formative years. I mean, that was one of the movies that made me who I am. So, 
I yeah, it, I feel you when 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 you say this. Uh, you're very tentative to see what they do with it because we don't want something like that that's so precious to to us and reminds us of our youth uh, to you know be dragged through the dirt and yeah. uh, done wrong. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crow, Crow means a lot to me. Um, it was uh, the movie that uh, me and my group of friends in high school uh, watched. In fact, my wife uh, was in that group, and uh, it was me, her, two of her friends, and my friend. Uh, and then we would have what they call we called it crow parties. Nice. So we would get together and at one of their houses, and uh, we would watch the movie and you know fuck around, uh, just you know just messing around and shit doing whatever like uh shit i think they try to put together like bags like how they do the rocky horror picture show from what i remember okay. uh, and do you know s some silly shit like that um or that like we fun or like we paint her face and yeah, yeah it was fun uh it was really cool uh but that was like our high school years like uh, at least my last two high school years my junior senior year um while my wife and her friends were uh freshman sophomore yeah, yeah. I mean, this was a while back, right? What year was uh, <coughs> 94, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah. That Crow movie? Yeah. So lots of really uh, cool memories with that movie. So, yeah, we'll see what they do with it. Hopefully it's good. Um, but that's uh, part of the news. Cool. Well, I mean, I'm excited to see it, to see what they do with it. Um, like I said, I'm just I'm on the fence. So I'm just waiting to check it out um i would really like to see some pictures but uh until that happens you know i'm just kind of in the dark uh and then i guess the last bit of news um is going to be about talk to me um which is one of the movies that we're going to review here today the a24 um who has produced the uh, Talk to Me uh, movie uh, here in America, because uh, it's an Australian movie, uh, has announced that they confirmed that they're going to be working on a sequel for it. So they've green-lighted the sequel for it, Talk to Me 2, which I'm not sure if that's going to be the title, but it's probably the working title for now. Um, but we'll, uh, we'll get more information as soon as we get it uh, from A24 about who's going to be in it, what's it going to be about, and when it's going to be released. But we will talk about Talk To Me in our review today. Um, that way you can get a little more information if you've seen it. Uh, drop us a line, let us know what you thought of it. Uh, if you haven't seen it, you should check it out because uh, I think it was really a really good movie. Yeah, as soon as I saw the ending, uh, which uh, we'll probably talk about uh, on the reviews, I knew this was this was poised to be some <coughs> sort of franchise or some f some sort of future franchise. So yeah, I'm not surprised that uh, a new one is in the works. All right. Well, that was our news um, for what's going on. Also, uh, I guess I lied. The last bit of news is uh, in October, October 13th through the 15th, uh, will be the Son of Monster Palooza. So if you're at the creepy aftermath this weekend. You've got one more horror convention uh, for the year here in California, where we're at, and it will be at the Pasadena Convention Center uh, mid-October, like I said, October 13th through the 15th, um, Pasadena Convention Center, Son of Monster Palooza. All right, so now we're going to get underway to our reviews. Like I said uh, at the beginning, we have four movies to review. We have 
Renfield, The Last Voyage of the Demeter, Talk to Me, and Sympathy for the Devil. You want to start? Yeah. Um, so Renfield, uh, 2023, uh, with an hour and 33 minutes, starring Nicolas Cage and Nicholas Holt. Uh, also Aquafina, uh, Ben Schwartz, Shuri Agadashlu. Sorry, I butchered that. Um, basically, uh, the premise is uh, Renfield has been working for Count Dracula for quite a while now. We're in modern times, uh, New Orleans. Uh, Dracula is in a really bad state. And um, Renfield is uh, taking care of him and uh, bringing him uh, victims uh, so that he can feed upon while also going to a um, uh, support group for people who are in toxic relationships or <laughs> in abusive relationships. That's great. And uh, <laughs> and there's also a couple of other subplots. Um, Renfield uh, gets these uh, sort of like superpowers uh, from uh, eating flies, sort of like in the, in the book and in the movie, but to a more superlative uh, degree. Um, very over the top. Uh, uh, fun movie, uh, uh, as I recall, um, but that's that's basically the uh, the premise of the movie. Um, yeah, I, I quite enjoyed uh, how they made it a basically a modern sequel. Yeah, yeah. To the to the original uh, Dracula, <coughs> and uh, in the movie itself, you can see they they uh, they give you like flashback segments in black and white that shows you. Um, these two actors portraying these characters of the original segments from Dracula with Bela Lugosi. Um, and then all the way up to modern times now to where they're at here, uh, which I thought was really cool. I mean, they could have easily just overshadowed that or, or overlooked it and not included it, but it was, it was really kind of cool to see the throwback, you know, seeing Nicolas Cage portraying Bela Lugosi and then seeing uh, Nicholas Holt uh, portraying the Renfield character. Uh, when he first was introduced to to the count, and uh, and then seeing kind of like what he's been doing uh, from from that day to to now, uh, and then yeah, you you said something about with the bugs. Um, so yeah, he's he eats bugs and he gets these superpowers now, um, like how Dracula when he drinks his, the blood of his victims, you know, it reenergizes him, gives him new life. Um, but like with Nicholas uh, Holt's uh, Renfield. Uh, as he eats the bugs, it's almost like he turns into a superhero. You know, it's it's kind of like on that uh, over-the-top aspect, as you were saying. Yeah, I mean, uh, the movie was written by... Um, I lost it. Let me start again. Ryan, it uh, looks like it was written by Ryan Ridley. Yeah. So and then it was a story by uh, Robert Kirkman. Right. So it was written by Rand Ridley from uh, Rick and Morty, which is where you get the whole comedic <coughs> um, pacing and the whole comedic, uh, all the jokes from, really. Oh, and makes then, sense. Uh, Robert Kirkman, who I feel was hired to 
do something like what he did with The Walking Dead, but instead he brought in Invincible, which is also one of his properties, which is, I think, where you get the whole um, superhero t sort of vibe uh, from, uh, which is kind of interesting. Um, I know that it worked too well, but uh, the, the movie was still really fun, despite despite that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, you can't take it as a serious movie because you know it's 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 aimed more as a comedy. I yeah. think horror with comedy, yeah, yeah, with horror aspects to it, um, just because of the things that are happening. So I I look at it as more like an action comedy um, with horror. Yeah. With horror tendencies, absolutely, absolutely. Um, just because of who like the characters are, yeah. Because yeah. the characters, yeah. Um, it reminded me of uh, speaking of uh, Nicholas Holt and uh, Nicholas Cage. It reminded me of uh, Warm Bodies, which is sort of a rom com, but with um, uh, zombies in it. Uh, Nicholas Holt was uh, the lead in that one, and then uh, Vampire's Kiss, which is also uh, a Nicholas Cage. Uh, with Nicolas Cage just losing his shit. Uh, oh wow, that's a that takes me back. That's an old one. Yeah, yeah. So, but the uh, Warren Bodies I never saw. I know about it, and I know that he's in it. But yeah, I never saw that one. Yeah, it's basically a chick flick. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Nicholas Holt and uh, I was look, looking it up, and uh, both Nicholas Holt and Nicholas Cage had already worked together in uh, The Weatherman. Really, and, uh, Nicholas Holt played his son in 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 the weatherman so man look how young he looks yeah yeah that's so crazy basically a kid so it's it's kind of it's kind of cool to see him uh work, work again together yeah because uh, i feel like the uh, the rapport they had between those two characters with the abusive relationship and him because like in the movie you see Nic the first time you see nicholas holt he's like a badass he comes in and starts kicking ass and uh starts being the shit out of these uh, gangsters and stuff but as soon as dracula comes in he's reduced completely so like that that dynamic that they have between them, I think it was worked really really well. Yeah, you could see that these two actors had worked together before. Yeah, that's always good. Yeah, I I liked his uh, his help group that he goes to. Um, like he's it's they're such a toxic relationship between the two of them that he he seeked out <laughs> a self help group uh, or a twelve step group is what th what they're calling it twelve se twelve step help group. Um, for codependency relationships and ha and how to recuperate from it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, he used that sort of like a, a good hunting grounds, right, to uh, get him the the victims that he wants. Even though there's this one scene where he's like he yells at him, he's like, "Dude, you're bringing me garbage!" Like he's obsessed with like the purity, like the purity of somebody making the blood purer and uh, more efficient, or like better for his nourishment i guess yeah i like how he had a, like a laundry list of of demands of like the type of people that he wanted him to bring him back <laughs> like he had uh he wants like i wanted cheerleaders and a, a bus full of nuns yeah yeah <laughs> bus a bus full of, yeah that's thing that i think that's what it says uh, and then he points out well i don't know the, the nuns uh that you you know about well, the nuns i've met are not very pure at all yeah he makes us sort of like a weird joke. Um, honestly, the best thing uh, of, uh, about the movie was uh, Nicolas Cage. I think he was pretty much the only one that really understood the assignment and uh, was having a lot of fun, it looks like, on camera. Um, he was really leaning, in, leaning into the comedic aspect of the vampire lore. 
So that's p- kind of cool. Uh, Nicholas Holt, um, it didn't really work as well for me as a as a, a leading man. Uh, I think he was uh, a little better in uh, the menu. I think those type of roles are more his bag. Um, Aquafina was, you know, the she plays pretty much the same character <laughs> every time. She was cute. She was. Uh, I didn't really see the um, the chemistry that that. I feel the movie was trying to portray between uh, Nicholas Holt, uh, Renfield, and uh, her character, who is a cop with a FBI sister, and uh, the whole mystery around uh, um, the killings and uh, their beef with the th- with the mafia was a little bit too cartoonish for me, and uh, I don't know if it was exactly necessary for the movie. Like, I don't mind having subplots, but uh, I wish they would have uh, done a lot more with the. It's relationship. Like they, yeah, it was, it was like they were trying to push that subplot to be the main plot. Yeah, yeah. And and so instead of just being Ren, about Renfield's relationship Dracula. with Dracula, like they were really pushing... They got pushed to the side a little bit. Yeah, about uh, Aquafina's family issues. Um, yeah, and I understand the, the, there's the comedy, and the, uh, I've seen... Uh, if you've seen uh, Rick and Morty, there's a lot of, like... Th- they have, there's a lot of moving parts in, in, in those type of stories that they write. Um, I feel like the pacing was a little too fast. It didn't let... They would tell the jokes, but they, don't, they wouldn't let the jokes sit and breathe. You know, they would like, constantly move to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And uh, I don't know. I had troubles. I had, had a little bit of trouble with the pacing of the movie, especially in terms of um, comedic timing. But um, other than that, um, I enjoyed it. It was fun. I don't know if I'll revisit it uh, anytime soon, but uh, it was definitely a, a good time. I um, I give the this movie uh, three stabs. Okay. Yeah, I like the movie a lot. Um, I have a lot of similar uh, points as you do on it uh, as well. But uh, yeah, I I think uh, overall, like they should have uh, really stuck to the uh, the Renfield Dracula relationship. Um, the self-help group was good. Um, I think the whole mob story, um, just could have not been in the movie. Um, it just, it, it wasn't needed. I don't think, I mean, that's, that's, I think that's where the action aspect came from in the movie. Um, and it really didn't need it. You could have seen more of the, the aspect of, you know, if they did bring the mob in, it could have been just a scene where they like, you know, broken wrong place at the wrong time and Mm -hmm. Dracula fucks them up. Yeah. You know, and, you know, gets his fill or his drink on. Um, but, yeah, it's just I think they 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 tried to push that subplot into something that it, it wasn't going to be. Um, so, yeah, no. And the action scenes, <coughs> the action scenes are good. Uh, they're fine. I mean, it was no John Wick, but uh, they're OK. And uh, they're really cool to watch. Uh, there's a lot of gore and for a gore hound like me, um, it was perfect. But, yeah, the the subplot was a little bit extra um what do you what do you give what do you give this movie uh i'm on the same uh page with you uh three stabs out of five yeah um for it um just for that fact uh i like i love dracula and dracula lore and dracula stories and like i said i love the uh the continuance of this um it just uh some of the the story in in the story just to me was a little more overwhelming um so it, c- it could have got a better stab um 
without it, but unfortunately, it is what it is. Yeah. It is a fun movie. Um, I do recommend people to watch it. I mean, not over and over, like you said. Um, but, yeah, you know, go out, watch it, have a laugh. You know, you'll enjoy it. Nicolas Cage is, is, is definitely, I agree with you, at his one of his bests um, in, as this character. And, you know, Nicolas Cage is Nicolas Cage a lot of times. And yeah. This is one of the times that he's not. So he's 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 more trying to really embody himself as as the count um, in modern times, and he's he did a fantastic job at, at it. So absolutely. Which one? Which one we got next? So next after Renfield is also another Dracula movie. Um, this one is taken out of the book of Dracula. It's the last voyage of the Demeter. So this one is the voyage uh, of the ship called the Demeter, where it takes Dracula from Transylvania to England. Uh, And then we're basically going to get a movie of just that voyage. This one is a 2023 movie uh, listed as horror fantasy and has a runtime of one hour and 59 minutes. It's rated R. And this one has a not so well-known cast. Um, Some people I recognize, some people I don't. And um, when I actually heard the first voice uh, in the movie, I, I... I only heard Liam Neeson, like the way this gentleman was speaking. Yeah. Uh, he, 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 Captain Elliot is the character that was speaking, and um, he, he's portrayed, or he's um, his actor name is Liam Cunningham. So, um, from what I thought, Liam Neeson, you know, Liam Cunningham, uh, different Liam. But there's a uh, actor named uh, Corey Hawkins who plays Clemens. Um Yeah, I only I remember him from uh he played Dr. Dre in the um uh Oh, he played Dr. Dre in the NWA movie? Yeah. Boys in the Hood. Or no, yeah, Straight Outta Compton. Straight Outta Compton, yeah. That's the one. Uh that's the only thing I remember him from. Uh Liam Cunningham, different Liam, not uh, uh not taken Liam Neeson, not uh <laughs> Master Qui-Gon. Different Liam. I remember him from uh, Game of Thrones. Yeah, I so ga- shame on me. I haven't seen Game of Thrones. Um, not sure why I haven't, but I need to binge watch it because uh, there's been a lot of movies with a lot of actors that are in it that are from Game of Thrones, and yeah. you've been pointing that out to me. And another actress, Aisling Francoisi. Um, I don't recognize her from any uh, from anything. Um, I do recognize David Dasmalk, that Dasmalkian. I always butcher that name, uh, but he's been in the um, the Dark Knight movies. Yeah, he was in the Dark Knight um, with Heath Ledger, and he was actually also in uh, the TV show Gotham. So he played two different uh, Joker henchmen uh, in this in the the Batman universe. And then also in the DC universe, he played Polka Dot Man in the Suicide Squad movie. 
he was also in uh, Oppenheimer and The Boogeyman. And then he was also in Ant-Man, all the, the Ant-Man movies. He played, uh, what was he, Russian? Is that what they're saying he was in the, in the Ant-Man movies? He had yeah. like the accent? Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah. Let's see if I can get to those real quick. Veb. Kurt. Is it saying um, Veb must be like his last name? Uh, Kurt. So he played uh, Kurt in the Ant Man movies. Yeah, he's a to me he's an un, he's an underrated actor. Um, yeah, he's always like that guy. Oh, it's that guy, you know. Yeah, he's he's a really good character actor. He, yeah, he obviously embodies every uh, every character that he's ever played, um, and just crazy like how it just he he just his dimension of acting just you know really you can you can feel it and you can see it and how well it, it's yeah, portrayed. He's got really good range. He's got really good range as an actor. And I think he did a really good job in this one. He, yeah. he even does like this accent. The Russian hacker. Yeah. Because he had the whole story with the, the Baba Yaga. Oh, right, right. <laughs> Which was funny. And every time I, I hear that word, I always think of uh, freaking um, uh, Keanu Reeves, uh, John Wick. Oh, John Wick, yeah, yeah, for sure. But this movie uh, <coughs> was really cool. Uh, very moody, very... Uh, very dark. Uh, the type of vampire that I love is that uh, uh, that monster vampire uh, uh, in, in uh, Francis Ford Coppola, uh, the uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula. That was the Dracula that I always loved. It was always, you know, he had the the old count, the aristocrat, and then he had that young, dapper um, version of himself. But my favorite was always when he turned into a a giant bat or or a wolf or a monster that was that was when i really liked the vampire and uh this vampire reminds me a lot more of the uh the nosferatu vampire which is my favorite type of vampire um and i feel like the movie more based more than based on the uh the chapter of uh, bram stoker's uh, novel i think it was mostly based on that boat scene from 1922's uh, nosferatu um, it, it's the feel that I got most um, out, out of the movie and the, the mood of the movie and the look of it. Yeah, they might have been paying tribute to uh, to it uh, with with bringing that into this movie. Um, and it was just it's really cool that they they were able to take that that whole chapter of the of the boat uh, trip and then just create their own movie out of it. Yeah. Um, to kind of fill in the blanks. Um, the only problem I have with with the way it ended is that the uh, the the character that Corey Hawkins played, um, Clemens, um, he was kind of still on a mission um, to to find Dracula. Yeah, it was a bit open ended, right? Yeah, and like you see the new. Uh, but you don't hear anything about this character uh, in any a- anywhere else. Yeah, anywhere else in the in the book uh, of what's going on with Dracula. So. So, so if if they're gonna make more of these movies, is uh, the Clemens character gonna be sort of uh, 
uh, Van Helsing uh, type character of, or some sort of another vampire hunter type character. I mean, uh, we have a lot of those, but uh, is this going to be like the new one, sort of um, uh, a vampire hunter uh, throughout the years? Um, I don't know. But uh, yeah, they left it open-ended and, and in that sense, he's basically the only survivor of the Demeter. So um, I don't know if they're, they're, they're going to continue with this character or, or if that's, that's just the ending. Yeah, or like what would they call it? You know, is it still going to have the, the Demeter name into it? Like is he uh, the vampire hunter of the Demeter or... Yeah, yeah, the last survivor of the Demeter or something yeah, last like that. Yeah, uh, last survivor of the Demeter. <laughs> you know, and it's basically, like, it would have to only be a two-part, like, that. It would be the last voyage and then the last survivor because, again, he's not described anywhere in the book uh, moving forward after he gets to England. Um, yeah, yeah, they would have to move away from the um, the original source. And it seems like he's, like... Uh, not him, but Dracula was fucking with him, especially being in that pub um, or yeah, bar like or whatever it was. Like how he like was like luring him or yeah, and teasing him. Like especially you hear that cane like hitting the floor like multiple times, and he kept turning back and looking. Yeah, you know, and then like the whole like uh, brushing the face and the ear and the, you know, he's like you know kind of like just fucking with him, um, and then walks outside and sees him down the, the alleyway. So, you know, that, that, that reminded me also of a little bit of, like, Jack the Ripper. Um, right. So, you know, maybe th- maybe they're going to lead into that, saying that, you know, Dracula is Jack the Ripper. And that would be interesting. <laughs> yeah, that would be kind of a cool concept. That would be cool. Um, do a little crossover. Yeah, but, um, no, they, uh, the movie was, was really, really cool. Um, it ha- you you have to make a few concessions. Like uh, I didn't know why the girl, um, why she spoke perfect English. Like you have to make suspend disbelief a little bit uh, to make it work. They made a very effective uh, slasher movie essentially, which is right up my alley. And with Dracula in it, with a Nosferatu uh, looking monster in it, it was uh, it was almost tailor made for somebody like me. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was weird. Uh, I, I totally understood like the, how they, uh, they brought her into it. You know, he was clearly feeding on her. And then when they found her after that, uh, box of dirt basically opened and she fell out of it. Um, you know, Clemens having that, uh, background as, a, a, a I don't know if he's actually a doctor or just like some kind of, uh, physician's assistant or something like that, but he had some kind of medical background. So he was giving uh, blood transfusions to her. So that was uh, keeping her, uh, I guess, from turning. Yeah, from fully turning. Because at the <coughs> end, when they're not able to do that anymore, she uh, she also dies of vampire's death at the end. Yeah. And then basically like tells him like that's how she wanted to go out. Because you know, he was like, oh, we can do more transfusions. and. But no, she was done. She was done. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I, I, I like I like this movie. Um, it was the the best one uh, this week that I watched. Um, I give it four stabs out of five. Yeah, I agree. I give it four stabs out of five. Also, um, the it was a lot more story driven as well. Um, I thought it could have been a little more action. 
but sure. I think uh, you sure, know. Sure, I agree. But the story was was very well written. Um, the each character was captured perfectly. Um, it sucks about the little boy though. Um, oh yeah, that's that's the only drawback of the movie, um, <laughs> which is like fucked up. But you have to expect that with Dracula, you know. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's, he the, has he's the monster. He has an obsession for uh, younger victims. Yeah, so for he's sure. He's gonna want that that innocent blood. Um, so, but yeah, overall, uh, very well written, very well executed. Um, it was just more. It was more story than action. So if it, if it had some more action, I think it would have been a total five out of uh, five stabs for me. But yeah, yeah, same. Uh, I did the duck one stab just because I feel like there was a few missed opportunities there that um, they could have gone with um, but overall it, it worked it worked yeah alright so next on our list is talk to me so this movie is actually from 2022. Uh, this movie is also Australian, which none of this stuff I had known uh, because the way it was marketed here in America. Uh, it's rated R. It's, uh, it's a horror thriller with a runtime of one hour and 35 minutes. The A24 must have uh, got the rights to it because also I was under the impression that this was an A24 movie but they only produced it to be shown here uh, in America. Um, so they own it somehow or own the distribution rights to it somehow, um, but they didn't make the movie at all. I see. And like uh, the cast is relatively all unknown except for uh, Miranda Otto, who plays uh, the mom, Sue. She's the only one I recognize. Everybody else in the movie... I have no idea who they are. I've never seen them before. Yeah, they're mostly uh, Australian um, or actors uh, who are famous or known in, in Australia. <coughs> Australian TV, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah, there's quite a few of them that are in Australian TV that are just um, extremely known. Um, like the the character Haley. Um, this, this Zoe, Zoe Tarakis? Yeah. Tarakis? Uh, from what I read about Zoe, um, Zoe is actually a transgender uh-huh. and was uh, actually listed as the first transgender actor to be casted in a Marvel movie, um, which not even a movie. It's the TV series Ironheart. Ah, okay. Not, not aired yet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so not she's in yet. that. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so Zoe's in that. Um and then yeah, they got Joe Bird who plays Riley, Chris, um, Alas Alasio plays Josh, Otis, uh, Danji, I'm like butchering people's names and I apologize. Plays Daniel, uh, Jet Gasly plays Alex, uh, Alexandra uh, Jensen plays Jade, um, Ari MacArthur plays Cole. Um, where's the girl at? Oh, and Sophie Wilde plays Mia. Yeah, the directors are uh, Danny Filippo and Michael Filippo, who I think are uh, twins. 
um, they have this uh, YouTube uh, channel called Raka Raka where they make uh, little videos, little short uh, horror movies. Uh, they're also very comedic. Um, that's that's uh, their fame, uh, also very popular in, in Australia. Yeah, so um, as we spoke earlier in the news that they had uh, green-lighted a second movie, um, the question is, is, are they keeping it um, Australian or are they moving it to America? Um, yeah, well, where is the hand uh, traveling next, right? Because uh, uh, when we last see the hand, there is somewhere else that's not Australia from from what I was able to gather. Yeah, uh I don't know. They, I assume that they were speaking Spanish, but I don't know if it was like, uh, could have been Mexico, could have been Central America, could have been Spain. I, I thought it sounded like Polish or German to me. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I don't uh, Or it could have been. I don't know. It was late when I Portuguese. watched it. Like, yeah. I, I don't know what language. Um, so I just assumed it was Spanish. Um, maybe, it will, maybe it'll say in the, uh, In the Wikipedia here, but I don't see. So the movie was really interesting. Um, the the device of using the hand, um, as as I read uh, on some uh, on some reviews, um, the, it wasn't even written in the original script. They came up with that later, but I think it was it's a really good uh, plot device, and. Uh, the the premise of the story is something we've seen a lot before basically kids it reminded me of kids uh, playing with a ouija board or uh, playing uh, bloody mary uh, things like that um, but definitely the hand um, was a really uh, unique and new uh, plot device uh, to me yeah especially like uh so the whole uh device of it is that they the way the hand is that it's in a like a getting ready to shake your hand position so you do the same thing um you put your hand in its hand to shake it uh, and then you say talk to me and then it shows you um it, sh it shows you uh, a ghost or a, a, a spirit a maybe? spirit or whatever the, whatever they're really calling it i'm not sure what they're calling it in the in the movie yeah um, that was one of my questions and then you say let me in so now the are you are you the the vision of the or the thing that you see in front of you is that inside of you or did something else get inside of you because now uh, basically you're letting something possess your body um, so talk to me is to see it and then let me in is to be possessed yeah i saw it also as a the hand is kind of like a gate into like the nether world or something. It's like a connect, like a connecting tissue um, between uh, the two worlds. Um, yeah, that was one of the things I didn't know if these these entities were ghosts or. Oh, so so the last the last we see uh, the hand is with some Greek people. Yeah. So that was Greek. Yeah, it was Greek. Okay. Not Spanish, not Portuguese. <laughs> similar, similar. Um, so that's interesting. So the <coughs> the hand starts to make its rounds, right? Um, 
Yeah, and then the other question is is how how long of a, a how long of a time span was that from when it ended from the the where it ended up with the kids to it ended up with the the Grecians? Right, right. Yeah, because um, Mia at the end of um, dies. Spoiler. Spoiler. Um, and you see a sequence in which she's not able to follow her dad, which I take it her dad also dies, but he's able to move on while her spirit remains in this uh, realm and this uh, limbo, I guess, is, is what they were calling it to in the movie. Um, which to me sounds like a purgatory. Right. Basically, yeah, you're stuck between realms, basically. Um, it had a, a lot of um, themes of uh, grief, uh, grief, um, and uh, acceptance of of loss, um, which is why I think the hand is is, is symbolic in that way. It's because you can't let it go. It's it's about letting go and not it being able to let go. So Mia is struggling uh, is struggling with uh, the fact that her mom had died and she had taken her own life and she couldn't accept the fact that her mom would rather leave her. Um, maybe she was uh, struggling with uh, depression or things of the sort. And uh, Mia is someone who's not being able to let go. And so the hand has a lot to do with um, uh, not being able to let go of these things. and. Uh, Thus, it, it sucks her into this uh, descent into madness um, that ultimately gets her killed and into trapped in this um, realm. And yeah, it, it's like you said, we don't know how, m how, how long it was between the, the moment she died to when she becomes one of these uh, spirits, one of these ghosts within the hand. Yeah, it's crazy because uh, the, uh, the other question I have is um, with with her seeing all this stuff or being, you know, have these, the, these people like whispering to her, is it actually happening or is it just something that's in her head? Um, you know, it did it, I believe it would, could have been something that happened at first and maybe unlocked something in, in the brain to, to cause these hallucinations. Um, so th those are the questions that I have that I, I would like to have answered somehow, but, Obviously, I don't know how that would happen without me sitting down and talking to the writers about the movie. Um, but yeah, is it is it actually the 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 spirits that are that are causing this uh, uh, deception for for her to you know cause all this harm, or is it actually her and it just triggered something in her mind, you know, and, and then caused her to to spaz out. Exactly. That that was a little bit unclear. Like I didn't know if it was the spirit themselves the, who were like these evil manipulators and uh, would uh, compel uh, the host to kill for whatever reason, or if it's like you said, some sort of uh, psychological uh, trigger that um, makes the host uh, react violently. Yeah. So that was a little bit unclear. Um, it, it <coughs> does it does toil the line between the realities, right? So you, you it's difficult to tell which is real. Is it the uh, is it the demonic entities or is it some sort of psychosis? Right. Yeah. Totally. 
Yeah, because there's a scene with uh, Mia, um, mom basically saying or whispering to her, you know, this is not your father. And it's a, uh, looks like a, a demonic entity of her dad, uh, basically trying to like choke and kill her, you know, and then you see her in her room struggling and there's nobody there but her and yeah. she's on the floor. So, you know, is it an entity that she's seeing and it's, it's attacking her or is it actually in her, in her mind, you know, that this is happening, you know, and then her dad comes in after hearing the commotion of what's going on and then she ends up, uh, you know, killing him. Yeah. And basically stabbing in, him in the real world Yeah, in, in real life. Um, because of her, her psychosis. Um, so yeah, same with the scene with the, uh, where she's sleeping, uh, with her friend. Uh, they're just sleeping and, uh, she wakes up, uh, to an old corpse, uh, sucking on the guy's toes. And then, uh, she's yelling him, she's yelling at him to wake up. And then when he wakes up, it's her, doing the toe sucking uh, yeah that's that's see all these little things uh lead to me you know, asking the question that's where i'm asking is that actually you know her psychosis or is it actually the yeah. entities um and that would be a big one for me like I, w i would be leaning towards psychosis because of that scene itself you know from what she's seeing and she's trying to wake him up and then when he does wake up it ends up being her the one who's sucking on his feet you know and, and not the not the, the the spirit or whatever it is that she's seeing uh sucking on his feet because she like snaps i don't know she snaps out of it because she just kind of she's like well what what like what's going on yeah yeah <laughs> she's he, like he's she's like flipping out she's confused um but then there's there's the scenes that that tell you that the entities are real like when riley every time he's not sedated every time uh, he's up basically uh, tries to kill himself this happens after um, uh, his possession uh, they let the possession go on too long so they assume that uh, uh, he's possessed uh, permanently um, but then yeah. we get then we get that scene with uh, one of the uh, the, the other uh, kids uh, the ones at the beginning of the movie um, Telling uh, our main characters that uh, actually the possession, the yeah, the possession or the possessor becomes weaker with time. Yeah. Uh, so then, what happens to what happens to these entities? Like, um, if the person doesn't die, do these entities just expel out of the body, or they disappear, or they they move on? Whether it's it's to a higher plane or a lower plane. You know, none of that stuff's ever answered. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's left out in the air. Um, yeah, but overall, I mean, it's a. Uh, I thought it was a very well written movie, um, especially being a. You would technically have to call it a foreign film because it's you know from another country, um, it, and for it being Australian, it it's still touched on a lot of similarity stuff that you know that that we that we uh we talk about here in america and um it just you know they have accents <laughs> in this movie yeah so if they didn't have the accents you a would lot think of expressions it, that i was not familiar with yeah you would think it'd be more of an american movie but obviously it wasn't but yeah overall i thought it was good um i would i would give it four out of five stabs 
I'm giving it uh, three and a half stabs only because uh, some of the uh, uh, some of the questions were too some of the things were left in the air too much for me. Uh, but uh, I really like the symbolism. Uh, it's a very well-rounded movie. Um, uh, the characters were uh, were very well uh, developed. Um, the things that they do, like uh, like Mia not being able to kill uh, Riley at the end, goes in par with her not being able to kill the uh, kangaroo, the injured kangaroo. So that's very much in her nature, and so it it's it's congruent to see it happen again later in the movie, even though uh, she was being manipulated. Um, she's not able to kill Riley because that is just not in her nature to do. Uh, instead, she takes her own life, same as her mom. So it's it's really, uh, as George Lucas would say, it, it, it rhymes, right? So uh, that was very well done. And uh, she also dies in the very same spot that the kangaroo was uh, placed. So if you s if you look at the frame on the kangaroo, there's like a um, uh, some writing on on the road, some. Um, graffiti and then when she falls uh, uh, onto the road herself you see the same writing so they they were very careful of framing oh, nice I didn't see that yeah yeah it's, it's it was really interesting how they they were able to bring it all all back around throughout the movie I'll so have to re I'll have to rewatch it and, and, and yeah yeah that was that, that, that was only a, that's the thing I caught only uh, on my second viewing but yeah I was like really impressed by the way they they did that but I still had a, 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 a few questions left over, so I'm giving it a, a 3.5 out of 5. Okay. All right. Well, that was Talk To Me. And then, uh, like we said, that they got a green light for Talk To Me too. so uh, probably 2024 we'll be looking to see that movie come out. Yeah, no, I'll be back. I'll be back for it. Yeah, totally. All right, our last movie uh, for review is Sympathy for the Devil. This is a 2023 movie, uh, action psychological thriller with a runtime of one hour and 30 minutes, rated R. And this movie has Nicolas Cage, Joel Kinnaman, uh, some minor roles, Nancy Good. Um, I can't even pronounce this guy's name. Kaiway. Kaiway Lehman, it's like almost uh, seems French. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it's kind of like French. <laughs> I, I'm not even gonna try. That's, <laughs> but <laughs> basically, basically, this movie is just Nick Cage and Joel Kinnaman. Yeah. Uh, almost the entire the entire time. Yeah, there's some minor characters uh, throughout the movie, but that's basically what they are—just minor characters, or you know, the the scenes they just happen to be in, um, you know, are short-lived. Yeah, it's weird. A lot of the the credits are, or the character names are just waitress or the cop, the passenger, the driver. Yeah, um, that's basically what you get for uh, Nicolas Cage and Joel Kinnaman is, is you know, Nicolas Cage is the passenger and, and Joel Kinnaman is the driver, I even though they have names in the movie. Yeah, I think that's done deliberately so that you don't know who's who. And that's kind of like the point of the movie, right? Because the movie is... Um, uh, the driver is uh, caught off guard. He's got things going on. His wife is about to have a kid. And then the passenger just comes in and basically hijacks um, uh, the driver and his car and takes him on a joyride and uh, uh, m 
things unfold from there. Yeah, a lot of this movie takes place in the car. Um, yeah, so I, I would call it a road movie, I guess. Yeah, it takes place. Sense. It takes place in Las Vegas. Um, like you said, uh, the driver's uh, wife is about to uh, give birth, so she's at the hospital. He actually makes it to the hospital. Uh, his parked and is based. I don't know what he's looking for, but he's got her her overnight bag, um, and he's looking for something else. And as the the point of him looking for something else, the passenger Nicholas Cage opens up the back door and sits down in the car. And he, you see Joel Kinnaman look back and say, uh, excuse me, sir, what are you doing? Yeah, like, this is not an Uber. Yeah, he's like, I'm not an Uber. He's all, my wife is inside about to give birth. Like, I need to get inside. And he pull, uh, Nicholas Cage pulls a gun out and says, drive. And that's where the movie, uh, uh, starts on its journey. Yeah, some revelations are made after that. Um, yeah, definitely some twists. Uh, Joel Kinnaman has a past as a, he was like a hitman or like a mercenary, something like that, right? <coughs> yeah, like a fixer or somebody who like cleans up messes, like has to like take care of uh, problems for, uh, I don't know if it was for the mob or mafia, but something along those lines uh, yeah. for like a bookkeeper. Right, right. And I guess his wife, him or his wife, uh see uh a murder i guess um and uh so nick cage believes him to be responsible for his wife and kids death at some point and um it's it, it, the whole movie it's made unclear whether that's true or not and the, the entire time you're you're asking the question it, the puzzle is kind of interesting so you're trying to put together whether uh, Nick Cage is telling the truth, or is uh, Joel Kinnaman telling the truth? Who, who who's being uh, fictitious here? Yeah, yeah, it's very, uh, very much like uh, like how it's it's stated here. It's like high stakes game of cat and mouse. Um, it becomes clear that not everything is as it seems. So, but this movie um, definitely pushes the boundaries of Nicolas Cage being Nicolas Cage. Yeah, uh, he's very psychotic, and his psychosis is just off the charts. Yeah, the the famous Nicholas Cage rage, right? Yeah, so it's like they basically gave him like a uh, leeway to like they're all like, hey, just uh, just be yourself. Yeah, yeah. Well, he was one of the producers, wasn't he? Uh, was he? I think so. Yeah, that'd be funny if he is. Uh, I didn't see it anywhere here. I'm sure it's somewhere. Um, yeah, he's, he's, yeah, he's just like nuts. (laughs) Yeah. Very, very much Nick Cagey. Um, not what I expected. The, the title led me to believe there was some supernatural things going on and like, uh, Nick was going to play, you know, the devil. Yeah. Uh, I I think we, I think we both took it a little too much uh, on the nose. Yeah. Too literally. Um, cause he's dressed in red, his hair is dyed red. Yeah. Like he's very much looks like a character that could be the devil incarnate. Right. Um, you know, here on earth to claim a victim or take, you know, someone's soul. Um, that's how I looked at it. You know, uh, totally definitely thought this was going to be some kind of horror movie. Um, 
similar to the aspect of uh, the M. Night Shyamalan uh, produced movie, Devil. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, like we know you got those right. uh, people trapped in the elevator and one of them's the devil. So that's how I took this movie is that obviously I thought Nicolas Cage was the devil and he was, you know, here to, to reap some revenge upon Joel Kinnaman for whatever he did. Um, right. Especially because it, it sounded like he knew more about the Joel Kinnaman than, than he should, that, than anybody should, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, and, and it's like, well, the only other person that would know that would be either someone who knows this person or it could have been the devil, you know, knowing that. And he's just bringing yeah. these, these little tidbits out. Yeah, he knows his secrets. <clears throat> and he's just letting them out one by one, you know, and really, like, fucking with his mind. Yeah, but it wasn't that. It was uh, more of a just a uh, road movie thriller, I guess uh, you could call it. Yeah, totally. Um, but I was uh, I was quite entertained with it. I thought it was a uh, a really good movie. Um, I was very happy with the the, uh, the twists and turns and and the outs. I was the only thing I was disappointed is that it wasn't a horror movie and that yeah. he wasn't the devil. Right. <laughs> Other than that, like it was still a good movie. Uh, definitely uh, would recommend you guys to watch this. Um, fun movie. Um, just don't go in expecting you know. Uh, with it literally like thinking that one of these guys is the devil so right uh wh what do you give it um i'd give it three out of five stabs three out of five yeah okay. um just just for the sheer aspect because it's not what i thought it was um and the way that they they uh queued up the trailer uh the trailer also was very misleading it was yeah that's i think that's my main <laughs> Uh, my main thing that, that misled me <coughs> was the trailer. Yeah, but, uh, so if, if you go into it thinking that this is just going to be some kind of like uh, um, like cat and mouse uh, movie, you know, with, with some action yeah. uh, and, you know, psychological aspects to it, then, yeah, um, you know, you'll, you, you'll probably give it more stabs. Uh, but like I said, I went into it, and you went into it, uh, thinking it was something totally different. Um, still, it was a good movie. Still was fun. Um, still would recommend people to to, to go out and, and check it out, but that's that's where I'm at. Three out of five stabs. Yeah, very enjoyable. Um, for me, I'm giving it two and a half stars uh, stabs. Uh, very uh, middle of the road. Oh, wow. That's, uh, that's pretty low. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that's, uh, that concludes our reviews. So we gave you Renfield, The Last Voyage of the Demeter, Talk to Me, and Sympathy for the Devil. And here, before we close out our podcast, we actually have another... Um, this would have been in the news, but we wanted to uh, actually watch the trailer. Um live and then kind of uh critique it a little bit uh olin uh, found this one and uh and sent it over to me and i thought it would be a it's another fun movie um it's called kill her goats uh, this movie has uh kane hotter in it um oh i just had everything up for it and just deleted it And it has a bunch of uh, unknown actresses. Um, 
At least I've never heard of them. Some of them are also uh, Playboy Playmates. So this uh, this movie is a fun TNA uh, kind of horror movie. Uh, Kane Hodder, who we all know as Jason, played the Jason the most times uh, in the Friday the 13th <coughs> franchise, plays a character called Goatface. And um, this movie is set to be released. Um, I think it's actually already released. Uh, but it was like supposed to be released this year, um, earlier this year, right? uh, earlier this year, and then something got held back on it, so it just got released um, not that long ago. So you you can already watch it, rent it, uh, or download it. Uh, it shows that it's not rated. It's from 2023. Uh, like I said, it's, it was supposed to come out in the beginning of the year. But we're going to watch the trailer for it and then uh, kind of uh, go from there. I'm also going to put this trailer on the uh, YouTube. So while you guys are uh, watching the, the still pictures go by, when it gets to this point, you'll be able to wa visually watch the trailer with us. So here it goes. at the very end it says sorry about the wait and it's like this is the first time I've actually heard about the movie so I'm like what was the wait for yeah but when I found out that they uh, had made the movie beforehand and was supposed to release it and then something happened maybe distribution fell out I don't know but yeah it's uh kill her goats so it's three words not not like killer but kill, kill her, her and, goat. and goats uh, yeah it, it looks um very stylized uh, slasher type movie. Uh, it goat face looks really cool. Um, definitely plays into a lot of tropes of horror oh yeah. movies. Yeah, they're probably gonna uh, do a lot of callbacks. 
uh, what was the um, the name of uh, some of the, the the signs that 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 you read in the trailer? Yeah, so the the name of the town uh, was a, a play on uh, on a famous movie director uh, in horror, Wes Craven. So the name of the town is West, W-E-S-T, Craven, which I thought was pretty funny. Um, I also caught some things. Uh, so there's uh, some pictures that were in this house that the girl uh, was given by her parents, and uh, two of them that stood out to me was one of them was Lizzie Borden, and then the other one was uh, Jesse James. Which was funny. So it's, it's funny that uh, seeing if anybody would catch that, uh, that they would just put these pictures, you know, because both those pictures look old timey. So, you know, and the area that they're in, it obviously made sense. So we'll just see who actually else catches that. Yeah. Or yeah. what other little things like that. But those are the few things that I saw in the trailer. Um, but I'm sure there's more. Yeah, yeah. It'd be interesting to see if uh, there's enough uh, material there to uh, do a little bit of an Easter egg hunt yeah. throughout the movie. Yeah, I'm kind of curious to see, like, uh, there's a lot of graveyard scene there, so seeing, like, what the names are on the, uh, on the, yeah. the headstones. So that's definitely a, a going to be a fun game to play, uh, doing a lot of pausing, uh, uh, obviously for other reasons, too. Yeah, on the surface, it really looks like a, like a modern but very run-of-the-mill slasher, but uh, with, the, with the thing with the goats, uh, they kind of leave it um, sort of unspoken. But there might be some nuances there with uh, with how they utilized these other elements. Yeah, yeah. So obviously the killer's name is Goatface, but the the houses got goats coming around like in the yard, and then um, there was a scene where they opened the door and the goat a goat came in. So it's I'm not sure what's going on with the goats. Yeah, um, yeah. those are know. her goats, or how come they it's are killer her goats? <laughs> I know it's a play on words. They, but, uh, they are they native to the island, or like, or what's going on? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it, it, I'm I'm definitely gonna um, check it out. Um, yeah, like I said, it looks like a, a it looks like a kind of a final girl movie. Yeah, um, yeah. The totally, they're gonna lean in hard in the final girl. Yeah. And then definitely also some heavy TNA, especially with these uh, playmates. That are in the movie. Yeah, we'll see if um, um, what's her name, Ariel Racine, uh, who plays Audra. It says here uh, she's clearly destined for a screen queen status. Mm, we'll see about that. Yeah, so her and uh, Ellie uh, Gonzalez um, are the only two like main actors. Um, the rest of the the cast, minus Kane Hodder, are all playmates um, who are making crossovers. Um, you know, to to the movies. Um, yeah, models turned actresses. Yeah, so you know, I'm sure that these are the ones who are going to be showing the skin, opposed to the other two girls um, who may or may not. Although, uh, how do you pronounce that chick's name? Ar- Arely, Ariel, Ariel. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so she's the, she's the main actor uh, for it, and obviously she's I guess the one that they're going to be building up to be the final girl. Um, if they go that route, uh, but that's how it looks to me. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it looks like it's gonna be a fun movie. Um, definitely, uh, definitely gonna tune in to check it out. Uh, I'll see if uh, the pirate can get it. I'm sure if it's out now, then it should already be out because it didn't go to the theaters at all. Looks like it went right to all the uh, streaming. Yeah, the streaming services. But yeah, um, I definitely would recommend checking this out. Um, you know, just another one of those fun movies. 
Anything else to add to it? Mm, nope. Nope, that's it. Okay. Well, we want to thank you guys for tuning in. Um, we want to give a shout-out to our unofficial sponsor, Liquid Death. Um, death the Plastic, Murder Your Thirst. We uh, would really like to get sponsored by these guys, so we're trying to plug them as much as possible. Um, today, we're quenching, or we're murdering our thirst with uh, Severed Lime and... I'm having the Grim Leafer. So I'm having the uh, lime sparkling water, and he's having the uh, black tea. Iced tea with agave and uh, vitamins. Wow. All right. So here's the liquid death. This is one of my favorites, the severed lime. The severed lime, yeah. No, this one is good. Um, not sugary at all, which is very nice. Was it the uh, the agave? You think it's giving it a sweetness? Yeah, it gives it a sweetness, but it's not overwhelming. You can, you can tell it's not going to you know, give you diabetes anytime soon. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Um, yeah, the... I think we've tried almost every flavor. Yeah, at this point, uh, yeah, I've had the Buried Alive, had the Convicted Melon. That one was really good. Yeah, that one's really good. Surprisingly, I, I was going in skeptical about it, but uh, overall, it was really good. Mango Chainsaw, I think I expected a little more. Yeah, that's my least favorite out of them. I'll still drink it, but I won't go out of my way to probably buy it. But I won't turn it down either. Yeah. I think I still need to try some of the other iced teas. Um, the Armless Palmer one is really good. Oh, yeah. Um, if you haven't tried that one, definitely try that one. <clears throat> and then there's a um, Rest in Peach. Nice. Okay, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, so the Rest in Peach um, and the, uh, the Mango one, uh, to me, were... Probably the least favorites of each of those, um, each of those two lines. Yeah. Um, and then everything else I think was was awesome, like really good. Yeah. So Grim Leafer, Rest in Peach, and Armless Palmer are the teas, and then you have the the Mountain Water, which is the white can, the Sparkling Water, which is the black can, and then you have the Severed Lime, the Chainsaw Mango. And buried alive. Buried alive. Oh, and the uh, where's that? Convicted melon. Oh, that was convicted melon part of the teas. No, that one, that one was just. Um, Where is that? Oh no, it's this. It's the it's the sparkling yeah, flavor. So that's the sparkling. Yeah. That's what the severed lime and the the mango chainsaw and buried alive. So yeah, the. Buried Alive, I thought was good, but I think Convicted Melon was a lot better. Yeah. Um, which is also weird, too, because the melon um, came across as, to me, was like a uh, uh, like a honeydew. And like you, a honeydew and, or a cantaloupe. Yeah, and you were saying cantaloupe. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely really good. So if you, if you like those fruits in, in general, uh, you'll definitely like that drink. Um, but, yeah, the mango and the peach uh, seem to be something that um, – uh, they were lacking, you know, I think they could have been 
a little more flavorful. But overall, I mean, all all the drinks that we've had from them have been really good. Um, minus the sparkling, I already know what sparkling water tastes like, and yeah. I'm just not a fan of straight sparkling water. I just have to have some kind of flavor yeah. to it. Um, I, I can't. I don't understand people who drink like Avion and all those other like sparkling like uh, the Pellegrino. Oh yeah. It's just weird how people can drink the just the straight up sparkling water. Yeah, usually those are just for mixing. Yeah, that's what I. That's how I take them as. Um, I just can't drink them straight. Um, but again, if it's given to me, I probably won't turn it down. You know, water's water, whether it's bubbly in your mouth or it's still. But yeah, um, so those are the drinks uh, for today for Liquid Death. Um, if you guys aren't a fan of or haven't tried out Liquid Death, you should try it out. Uh, help save the environment. Um, the the aluminum cans is a lot easier to recycle uh, opposed to the uh, plastic. Um, and then also, like he said, um, like Olen said about the uh, the flavor of the Grim Leafer with the agave um, gives it that that sweetness that it needs uh, without giving you that you know that sugar kill. <coughs> so, Liquid Death. Thank you, guys. Um, hopefully you can sponsor us someday. <laughs> uh, and if you like the music uh, at the intro and outro of the podcast, uh, the music's brought to you by a band named Zao, Z-A-O. Um, you can find them at zaoonline.net. They have a new album out called The Crimson Corridor. And uh, we have a raw uh, version of the song uh, Creator Destroyer. Uh, that is being used for our intro outro, uh, but the uh, the final version of it is on the album that you can, guys can check out. And then uh, we have social media that you guys can also check out. Uh, we have our link tree attached to pretty much everything on our social media that you can find all of our stuff. Uh, so we have an Instagram, we have a Facebook, we have a Twitter, a Tumblr. Uh, YouTube is where you can watch the podcast. Uh, Rumble, you can also watch the podcast there. You can hear all the podcasts on all the podcast uh, locations, uh, mainly uh, Apple, Spotify for podcasters, and Google. And then you can uh, follow us on our horror trivia uh, at the TikTok. And then uh, if you just want to visit the website, uh, you can come to www.thehorrorscene.com. Any final words? <laughs> I think that's it. Seemed like you had something and then no? It, 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 it faded out. Okay. All right. Well, we thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, remember to stay creepy and keep it spooky. From our grave to yours, these have been your last rites. <laughs>